Bibles in Matthew chapter 14, 15, excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me, last last time we looked at Jesus walking on water, a very familiar story to everybody, and, and uh, Jesus, you know, he's on, on top of things, isn't he? And he's walking right on the water to get to the to the disciples who were in a great need. Jesus told them to go to the other side of the sea, and they, they go out there on the sea. They get caught in this storm, and then Jesus comes walking on top of the waves to get to them. Nothing can stop him. No storm can stop him. We're going to sing a song for you at the end of the service that, that help is on the way, and, and nothing can stop it when Jesus is on his way to help you and to help me. Of course, uh, we don't always know that. They didn't know that. They began to freak out. And Jesus came to them and he told them, take courage, it's I. Don't be afraid. He still says that to you and I today. He's going to get you and me to the other side. He's going to get us to the other side. That's a promise. Peter steps out in faith, we saw. Why? Because Jesus told him to. He didn't do it on his own. He didn't make it up. He didn't, you know, presumptuously step out. Jesus told him to come out there, and he went out, and, and he did the impossible. And I think that's an exciting challenge. We were looking at our, uh, in our men's group the other night about, you know, uh, do we just want to uh, survive in our Christian life, or do we want to thrive? Do we want to get out there and do exploits for the Lord? And that's what Peter was doing. He wasn't just surviving. He was thriving. He was getting out of the boat to do something because he got excited about it. And, and yeah, he did begin to sink, but let's not lose the sight of the fact that he got out of the boat to do something exciting, to walk with Jesus out on the water. Keep our faith in him. Don't doubt. And then, and then worship him. That's what we saw there. Now today, in chapter 15, we're going we're gonna to look at this uh, first section here about about either on the outside or on the inside. Either outward religion or inward relationships is what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Are we looking at, are we following man-made rules or are we following the, the commands and the Word of God? And you'll see how that all kind of, kind of fits. And Jesus repeats over and over again and, and really tries to get to the heart of who we are. I talk about that a lot because they find it so often in the Word of God that He wants to get to our hearts. Not just... You know, the clothes we wear. I was going to bring, I was thinking about this, I was going to bring a, a, a suit. I wasn't going to wear it. I was going to bring it on a hanger and show you, like, this is what we should all do. And then we'd all have the same suit and we'd all look the same. And this is, a, this is how we please God, by wearing this particular type of clothes. And some of you know what I'm talking about, that this is how we please God, right? We dress a certain way. We talk a certain way. We act a certain way, follow certain rules that, that uh, we have kind of come up with. You can't find them in the Bible anywhere. And then Jesus says, you know, what is all that nonsense? He says, I want to know you. You're far from me. Well, but I thought I had it all together. I thought I was, you know, Joe spiritual. I thought I was, you know, really on fire. But you can have the form not the reality. That's kind of what he's talking about here. Look at chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. And they asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? 
They don't wash their hands before they eat. Now the word about this rabbi, this guy named Jesus, got around and, and it appears that from Jerusalem, you know, where, you know, the kind of the center of the, the Jewish nation, the Jewish world, they, they send this delegation from Jerusalem to kind of check on this guy and make sure, you know, he's okay or maybe even challenge him. And that's what we see him doing here, challenging Jesus. Now, I, I, that, that kind of you know, boggles my mind how anybody could go and challenge Jesus. But if you don't know who he is, that's what you're going to do. Now, on second thought, sometimes we do, we who do know Jesus, we still challenge him, don't we? Peter did. And he had spent all this time with them. But they came and they, they told him these things. Why don't your disciples, you know, why do they do this? And why don't they do that? Now he says about washing their hands. Now this isn't just like what we tell our kids, you know. Go wash your hands before the That's just plain common sense, right? you got to teach them to do that. I remember Neil Perillo, who's a missions guy, he says, you know, when you go on a missions trip, the, the three rules are wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. If you don't want to get sick somewhere. And, and so that's the kind of thing. It's just hygiene. It's just keeping clean or whatever. He's not, he's not talking about that here, though, is he? They had these elaborate rituals that, that, that had to be performed in a very specific way. You know, I was reading about it. They'd have, you know, uh, a certain amount of water that had to be poured on the hands. The hands had to be held a certain direction, and then they would turn them over in a like an eggshell and a half of water on this hand and an eggshell and a half on the other. And, and it was just ridiculous. But notice that they even admit where this came from. From the tradition of the elders. These elders sit around, they sat around and made up these rules and made up these kinds of, you know, things that need to be done. And, oh, well, you know, if you look back, maybe... In some cases, that it went back to a verse out of the Bible somewhere, somehow. But, but then they begin to add to it and expound on it and change it. And, and all these things started happening. Man-made rules, not from the Scripture. Look ahead with me to Luke chapter 11. Uh, Luke chapter 11, verse 37. Luke eleven thirty-seven. 37. <clears throat> When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Again, that's not just washing the dirt off your hands. It's doing this specific ritual. And then the Lord said to him, Now, then, you Pharisees, they clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness and foolish." Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor, and everything will be clean. He goes on and gives them a whole, whole uh, talk there about about they would do all these things, but their hearts were in the right place. You can clean the outside. You can come to church every time the door the doors are open. You can say all the right words, sing the songs, maybe even raise your hands if you're you know brave enough. Something on the inside's not happening. You do that because you've seen someone else do it. You say those words because you heard it somewhere else. He says, what about the inside, Jesus is saying? What about the heart? 
Back to Matthew 15, verse 3. Jesus replied. He answers the question of the question. He says, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. He makes a clear distinction, does he not, between the command of God and the tradition of men. The command of God and the tradition of men. And we need to, you know, examine things from time to time. Like, what is this that I'm doing? Is this just something that man made up? Now, it doesn't mean that everything that man decides and, and the way we do things is all wrong. But it's saying the priority and the most important things, if, you get, if you're going to get one of them right, get the Word of God right first. That's the number one thing. It trumps all else. The Word of God, the command of God. Versus man-made rules and traditions. They were using religion. They were using these man-made rules and traditions. We just read it there to escape their responsibility. To escape the responsibility they had to their parents. All they would have to do was say the word korban. That's all they'd have to do, say korban. They, 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 they were faced with a responsibility that they needed to take care of in relation to their family or whatever it was. And they would say, Korban, and that means I don't have to take care. I don't have to do anything. The NIV Study Bible says, By using this word in a religious vow, an irresponsible Jewish son could formally dedicate to God his earnings that otherwise would have gone for the support of his parents. The money, however, did not necessarily have to go to religious purposes. The Korban formula was simply a means of circumventing the clear responsibility of children toward their parents as prescribed in the law. You know what? We can get so spiritual. Well, I got to go to a prayer meeting. You know? Your wife or your husband is falling apart. Your family needs you. But I got to go to a prayer meeting. We do these kinds of things. We get so spiritual. We, we, we circumvent what God has called us to do is to be responsible, take care of what we need to take care of. The more spiritual we are, the more we're going to take care of the things we need to take care of. Now, does that mean we don't ever go to prayer meetings? Of course not. Does that mean we don't ever go to church? We, you know, I've seen it the other way, too, where we use all kinds of excuses not to go where we need to go. The Bible, the Word of God says, don't forsake the assembling together. Of yourselves, right? The Bible makes it clear you need each other. We need to fellowship. We need to study the Word of God together. We need to get together. But sometimes we, we use those things, the spiritual things, to, again, circumvent our responsibility, our responsibilities that God has called us to do. He said, You nullify the Word of God for the sake of your tradition. It says in Mark, He says, You, you have let go of the commands of God and holding on to the traditions of men. He said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And look what he says to them in verse 7. What does he call? You, go ahead and say it. Hypocrites. 
Can we say that word in church? You hypocrites. And I don't think he was just going, oh, you hypocrites. I think he gets a little excited. I'm not going to scream it out because you're going to think that, you know, I'm yelling at you or something. He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You know, you have heard it. I'm sure you've heard it before that people say, you talk to them about church, say, you know, well, we don't go to church. We will. I won't go to church. Why? And what's the reason they give you? Because the people are hypocrites there. Well, what I always tell people is, well, you know, Jesus didn't like hypocrites either. And Jesus, you know, talks to people about not being hypocrites. And we're all learning and we're all growing. We, we, we shouldn't be hypocrites, but we are and we're sinners and we need to work on the fact that, you know, what we say matches up to who we are and what's on the outside is the same as what's on the inside. That's what this is all about. That, that, that inside should be the same as the outside. doesn't mean you don't do things on the outside, but they need to match up. The inside and the outside need to match up. This word hypocrite means putting on a show. Putting on a show. You put on an, a, a, an actor's mask. They would wear masks. You put on a, an actor's mask and, and well, you know, I, I'm so spiritual, you know, and, oh, God bless you. I, I, you know. Yet on the inside, full of all this wickedness is what he was saying. In the Life Application Bible Commentary, they had this paragraph about phonies. And I really, I like what they said here. He said, Jesus blasted the Pharisees for being hypocrites. He said, the trouble with religious phonies is that God is never fooled, though lots of people are. If in your heart you're greedy, sensual, power-hungry, and happy with it, then you are a phony. He says, for your own sake and for the rest of us, please do one of the following. Number one, give up the church. Better to be a full-fledged pagan than a pagan in a religious suit. God isn't fooled anyhow, and fewer people will be discouraged by your hypocrisy. You're not going to live it right, you know, just don't don't try to pretend, go somewhere else. Go to the pagan church. He says, or the better decision, give up your hypocrisy and give your life to Jesus. Let his spirit renew you from the inside out. Be real about faith starting today. That's obviously the right choice. Be real about faith starting today. Let God's spirit work within us and from the inside out and make this more like the way he wants us to be. We can talk the talk, but but what's going on in the hearts? He says, they honor me with their lips, but but their hearts are far from me. Yeah, we can say all the right words, say them at the right time. He says their hearts are far from me. Where are you at this morning? I want to I make this practical, make this real for you and for me. It doesn't matter whether you've been going to church for 500 years. Is your heart near Him or is your heart far from Him? That's the bottom line. It says they worship me in vain because their hearts were far from Him. Teachings are rules taught by me. 
just think about the way we do things and the practices of the church and tradition. You know, they're not all wrong. The problem is, is and the question is, when and how do they become elevated to the level of holy written, holy scripture? How do we do that? And we say, no, you can't do that. Why? Because son, we've been doing that's the way we've always done it. Well, is it in the Bible? No, not necessarily, but this is the way we do it. Someone said, are we so devoted to our ministries and methods and programs that we neglect the true intent of the gospel? We must take this challenge to heart and constantly evaluate our own traditions. Not that they're wrong or bad. But when they get elevated to, a, to the place of Scripture, something's wrong. So two things I want to say about that. One is it's got to be real and it's got to be from the heart. Number two is it's got to be God's word. Verse 10, Jesus called the crowd to him and he said, Listen and understand. What goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. He uses these words of clean and unclean. And again, we're not talking about dirt on the hands. We're not talking about that kind of being clean or unclean. We're talking about being washed. We're talking about being cleansed. It's rather, as someone said, a state of being able to worship and approach God. Being able to approach worship God. And he's saying here, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a thing of following a method or following rules. And I think when you look at the whole New Testament and you see what, and, and really the whole Bible, really what it is what it is all about is about a heart that's cleansed and washed by the blood of the Lamb. That's what it's all about. Heart that's cleansed and washed by the blood of the Lamb, the blood that Jesus shed upon that cross. Look at verse 12. It says, The disciples then came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? The Pharisees were offended? Well, you know, Jesus offends people sometimes. There's offense of the cross, there's offense of the things that Jesus has to say can't always please everybody. Jesus didn't try. And, and look what he says. He says, leave them alone. He, he replied, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. Makes me think when I was reading that about you know, following. Uh, we, we, we do need to be careful who we follow and make sure that they can see Make sure they're leading us to the Word of God and not to some man-made traditions, because that's what they were doing. They were they had people following them, but they weren't really teaching them the Word of God. Peter said, verse 15, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. I just love that. Are you still so dull? I mean, I don't know where you're at this morning, but maybe you're here and, you know, you're, you're just kind of like going, none of this is making any sense to me. And, and Peter's going like, oh, explain it to us. He, he had said, listen and understand to the crowd. And Peter comes by himself and says, listen, you've got to help us 
Explain this to us. And I've seen that in the Bible where, where, where you know, God raised up teachers to explain the Scripture so we can understand. Some stuff is hard to understand. Peter, Peter talking about the Apostle Paul, he says, you know, some of the stuff that guy writes is really hard to understand. But we're trying. And, and so we need teaching. We need under, to understand. That's why we have a, a wonderful Christian Bible uh, teaching radio station here in this, in this state, you know, WARV. We have our own program on there. But there's guys on there that I listen to and I go, like, wow. Charles Swindoll, the guy, you know, I used to think, that guy's an old fogey. You know, I'm not really going to listen to him. And now I'm listening to him like, wow, this guy really makes sense. And, and, and like, maybe I'm older now or something, and I'm like, I can relate to him now. But the guy is so biblical. And, you know, they don't play these weird people on the station there. You know, tune it in. I know we, we like to listen to K-Love because they have great music there, too. But we need to be fed the Word of God. We need to be taught, and and uh, you, you'd be amazed at what God can teach you through His Word. We get a, get away from some of the some of the, all the added stuff. Let's just get back to the Bible. We read all kinds of books and that, and then we don't have any time to read what the Scripture has to say, what God's Word has to say. We get kind of dull too. I know I do. Get kind of tired. You're kind of dull. You're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about going to the beach. You're thinking about all these things on a nice day like today. They got it. Look at verse 17. We've got to get this. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. This is radical stuff. You know, the thoughts that come out of us, the actions that come out of us, the words that come out of us, this stuff is in us. This is sin. In us, he's saying, "Don't you get it? You know, you're you're doing, you're washing all the outside, you're wearing all the nice clothes and the robes and and all this stuff. You're washing the hands, but what about the sin that's in you? What about the sin that's in us? The heart problem that we have, this stuff that comes up out of us. This is where the work needs to be done inside of us, not the not the latest craze to hit the church, not not the latest teaching of man." But the washing of the blood of Jesus Christ, the surgery that takes place in our hearts, that's what we need. We fall down before the cross and we say, God, help us have mercy on me. Sinner. He saw the two guys, you know, one he's saying, you know, I'm not like that guy over there. And the guy over there is saying, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, sinner. Come to the cross. Come to the Savior. And keep coming to him because that sin nature, you know, we, we don't just deal with it once. It's still we got to keep beating it down and, and, and getting cleansed by the blood of the, of the cross of Jesus Christ. But we read chapters and chapters ago in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Can you make your own heart pure? No, only God can. 
He's willing to do that. I want to close in, uh, in uh, some verses in Psalm 51. So let's turn there and we'll close with those verses. Psalm 51. And I'm going to ask Anthony to come back up with his guitar here right now. And uh, we're going to worship one more time before we have a special song to close with. But I want him to come up here and, and uh, sing a song together. He can choose which one. He doesn't. He didn't know I was going to call it back up here. Psalm 51, verse 16. Psalm 51, just so you have the background, this is the psalm of, of, of David after this whole thing happened with Bathsheba. He committed adultery and on and on, all the things that he did. And, and you know, he says, have mercy on me in verse 1. Oh God, according to your unfailing love, Verse 2, wash away all my iniquity. Verse, verse 3, I know my transgressions, my sin is always before me. He, he knew. Verse 6, surely you desire truth in the inner parts. But at the very end of the psalm, not the very end, but almost the end there in verse uh, 16, he says, you do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Those things that we can do, those outward things, doesn't mean they're bad. He says, but what's more important is verse 17. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken, contrite heart, oh God, will not despise. That's what God looks for. That's what God is actually for. Broken heart. Broken that's where life comes in. That's where we go forward. I'm doing all the latest, greatest stuff. Warren Wearsby said, God wants us to give Him our hearts, not just lip service.